thankful for that. John chapter 9, Jesus is still in uh, Jerusalem. Uh, he has been the last couple chapters that we, that we have been in. And he has been teaching in the temple. Uh, you remember it started with this woman, of course, uh, being drug in who was caught in adultery. Jesus, of course, deals with her sin, deals with the sin of the Pharisees. They leave. Jesus uh, writes in, in, the, in the sand, of course, and, and uh, he said, uh, hey, uh, you without sin, cast the first stone. Of course, they, they leave. And then uh, he starts in a debate with these Pharisees on who uh, their father is and who he is. There's three fathers that was mentioned in our text last week. The father was, of course, God the father. Then Father Abraham. And then, of course, Jesus, he looked at these Pharisees and he said, your father is the devil and he's a liar and, uh, and the father of it. And that's his nature. And so, uh, of course, they didn't like that either. And so we pick up in verse number 48, of course, uh, they're still debating. And, and uh, he answered the Jews and said unto them, unto him, uh, the Jews say back to Jesus, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan, hast a devil. So now they accuse Jesus of actually having a, a devil, which is not the first time. Uh, they said that he was demon-possessed. He had these extra powers, and he was behaving erratically is what they, what they thought. So Jesus answered them, verse 49, I have not a devil, but I honor my father. And ye do dishonor me. So if you remember back in verse 29 of this same chapter, in chapter 8, Jesus said that he did those things that pleased the Father, right? So here he says, I'm honoring the Father. So Jesus went about doing what pleased the Father. And we preached a little bit about that last week. Verse 50, I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. So again, he's trying to... To, to, to open it up to, for them to see who he really is. Now, they're blind. You understand, he's the light of the world, and they can't see the light. They're blinded by their own spiritual condition. So they're blind. Verse 52, Then said, Jesus, the, uh, then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? So that they have a problem with this Jesus saying that he is greater than Abraham. Uh, so they're still caught up in the law, heavily in the law, which is dead. And, thou, and, and the prophets are dead, which thou makest thyself. Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him, not, I shall be a liar like unto you. Woo. So Jesus says, you know what? Basically, if I say something that is false, or if I say that I belong to someone that I do not belong to, I'm a liar just like you are. That's, that's pretty deep. Because he, he says this in verse 56, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. I love that. The, the, the man that you worship, the father that you say you belong to, he saw my day and was glad. Now notice this in verse 58, or verse 57, Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? So they could not get over the age. Jesus at this point, remember, Jesus in his early thirties. And they're like, you're not even 50 years old. How in the world are you claiming that Abraham saw your works and you're only 
You're not even at 50 years old, and thou hast seen Abraham. And Jesus said in verse 58 unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Amen. What a great declaration uh, of his deity. Verse 59, Then uh, took uh, they up stones to cast out him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So Jesus leaves because these folks were so upset at him, they were going to pick up rocks, stones, and hurl them at Jesus. And so Jesus like, it's not my time. I'm not going to die here. I'm, I'm going to make it to the cross. This is his time. He, he, he escapes. He goes and leaves out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Now, I believe that last phrase enters us into chapter 9 and the first verse. I believe this is all flowing together. Jesus, I believe, is still near this temple, still in Jerusalem. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. So this man is blind. I believe if we read into the text here and read into uh, the chapter, rather, we'll find that this man was... He was born in this area. This man was common to Jerusalem. Matter of fact, you'll see his mom and dad interrogated just a little bit by the Pharisees. And you'll see his neighbor speak up and say, yeah, I believe that's the man that was healed. And so this man, Jesus passed by him, no doubt on the street. He is blind, physically blind. Jesus comes by this man. Look at verse 2. And his disciples ask him, saying, Master, did, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Now listen, Jews actually believe this. By the way, the Pharisees are not asking that question. The uh, disciples are asking that question. Jesus, who, who sinned, this man or his parents, that actually causes him to be blind? The Jews still believe this today, that uh, your ailments and your physical uh, problems was a direct result of sin. Now, I don't believe that. I believe people can be born with... We, we all know we're fallen and our bodies are sinful. We understand that. But I believe people are born with problems and blindness, not because that they sinned and did something wicked and so now they're blind or their parents did. I believe it's sometimes just, just the way it is. Well, we see here this is not the way it is. Because look at verse 3. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but notice, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Very interesting verse. The reason this man is blind is because God can receive the glory. You're sitting in here today going through a trial. and You hate that trial. You despise the cancer that's in your body or the person that you love's cancer in their body or you despise whatever's going on in your life and you hate it and you, you hate death and you hate cancer and you hate heart problems and you hate this and that. But could it be that God has allowed this thing to come into you so that He may receive the glory? That's exactly what this verse is, is teaching us. That Jesus said that the works of God should be made manifest in Him. There is a divine purpose and reason that this man is blind and you're about to see it. And could it be that your ailment is that others could see who Jesus really is 
you're still persevering, you're still going, you're still witnessing, you're still worshiping, you're still doing all of these things while some would quit and some would be bitter and some would be angry. Hey, you're still going. Why? Because you're trying to give God the glory. I want to preach just a little bit this morning on this is my story. This is my story. Number one, we're like him in his weakness. We're like this man in blind. Verse 3 says that Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. The disciples, they attributed this man's blindness as a typical outlook of their day. They wanted uh, to ask the question, Lord, is this man blind because of his parents' sin or because of his sin? Think about the glory of God. Jesus said that the glory of God may be manifest through him. Uh, Anytime a boy, or I say a boy, a man wins the Super Bowl, or a young man wins a national championship, and they they stick that microphone up in front of his face, and they said, hey, uh, what do you think about this game? And he said, well, first let me uh, give honor and glory to God, or or I want to thank my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I love that, by the way. Some people may be skeptical of that, but anytime somebody brags on Jesus in front of millions of people, I'm going to say, hey, praise the Lord. He could say something profane. He could say something wicked, but he chose to give God the glory. Amen. And so sometimes we can be pharisaical about that, but I, I think any time that Jesus is, is lifted up, then we should say amen. Amen. But I do not believe that God really gets a glory through a guy winning the Super Bowl. I don't really believe that God gets the glory, as we would say, by a guy winning a national championship. I do, however, believe that God gets glory in our weakness when we continue to worship and we continue to, uh, we continue to worship and we continue to be faithful through our weaknesses. And it may be the way that this issue is in your life. You may wrestle with some physical difficulty. You may wrestle with something in your life that, that is a major problem and you see it as a curse. But the truth is, If that problem puts you on your face before God so that you know you need a Savior, thank God for that problem. When's the last time that you've done what the Apostle Paul said? In everything, give thanks. You know what? That includes your problems too. Here we can identify with this man in his blindness. We're all blind. We all realize that we have problems. We need to thank Him for those problems if it's caused us to get closer to Jesus. We are like this man in our weakness, but our weaknesses can lead us to Jesus and our weaknesses can even lead us to salvation. That's why it's easier for us, I say easier, and I'm not meaning that in that way, but it's it's a little bit more simple for us, Brother Lee, to go to a a poverty-stricken area of our community and to witness to those people in that poverty area because they, a lot of times, the drugs, the alcohol, and the homelessness and all the things, they realize they need Jesus. And they're like, hey, I need something because everything I've turned to has been no hope. But you take that same gospel and you go to the gated community. And you knock on a door or two. If you get to the second door, 
And you ask them if they need Jesus. You know what the difference? Both are sinners, both need Christ, but both realizes it and the other one don't. One realizes and the other one don't. We can identify with this man that his blindness led to his poverty. He's by the, and this was common in Jewish, there was no rich blind people. Very seldom. Because their blindness, they were unable to work, and it led them to poverty. And so Jesus would have naturally passed by this man, who no doubt was maybe laying by the road or sitting by the road, and he's asking for help, as he did every day. And Jesus sees him. So we can identify with his blindness in verse number 1. We also can identify in his weakness and his blindness, because this man was born blind, And not many of us like that. We might say, I'm not sure if we have any blind folks, if we had any in the morning service or here, but but I know I was preaching in Illinois a few weeks ago, and there was a man who was singing with a guitar, and he was blind, but he wrote the songs that he sung. It was amazing to to hear this man sing. Uh, Jacob, what's that man's name that wrote City of Refuge? You remember his name? Kenny's. Kenny Calloway. Kenny Calloway. I, I'd heard his song, City of Refuge, and what's that other song he sang? King is Coming or He's Coming. Uh, Bill Gaither. I, I just called Bill Gaither blind. I, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, the, he's Coming. Uh, and he wrote some great songs, and then to hear the actual writer of the songs get up to grab a guitar and someone help him up and him sing was amazing. You wouldn't have really known the man was blind unless you went to him after the service. He didn't. He had to listen to the voice to know what direction to talk. You could tell someone was driving him. Someone was leading him by the hand. I got another friend named Jesse uh, Craigle. Jesse plays the piano and sings. Jesse's blind. He's never been able to see. But yet Jesse loves Jesus. And listen, if you were to ask these men, hey, uh, would you like to be able to see? Listen, eyesight is a blessing. Eyesight's a blessing. Go ahead and try to navigate around and be blind. But that's not the blindness that we're speaking of here. We are all have been spiritually blind. It's one thing to be physically blind. It's another thing to be spiritually blind. That man's physical blindness is symbolic of our spiritual blindness that all of us are born with. Every one of us is born with sin, a sin nature that leads us as soon as we have the opportunity to choose to actually make a choice to sin. It is in every one of us, even from the smallest child. We are born in sin. My grandpa, uh, he was a gardener. My grandpa, uh, he had three gardens. Now, it was just him and my grandma, but my, my grandpa would have one big garden on the left, one big garden in the back, and one big garden on the right. And I never understood why, and not, I'm not talking about small gardens, I'm talking about big gardens, and I never understood why my grandpa would have big gardens. He passed away last December, and... Uh, just from my childhood, remembering watching my grandfather and, and till I'm talking about beautiful gardens. Beautiful. They should have been in a magazine. Gorgeous. Not a weed in them. Tilled up dirt. I'm talking about gorgeous uh, from the very beginning. And I thought, uh, man, how beautiful it was. I remember going up there and my, my, my grandpa would bag up some vegetables and he would, way too many vegetables for a family to eat. But he would just pile them on to you. And that's what he enjoyed doing, giving uh, these vegetables away. One day, one of his friends came and had a little boy with him. 
Uh, matter of fact, it was the family that came to see my grandpa. And I don't know why my grandpa always said this. And I asked the earlier crowd, I'll ask you. My grandpa would always tell me and tell everybody that came, little kids, don't spit in my garden. Did anybody ever hear that? Don't spit in my garden. Okay, so there's old, old, maybe it was a curse. I'm not sure. But, but, he, but he said, don't spit in my garden. And so uh, this, he, he would tell me that, so I didn't dare spit in the garden. You know, I, I, I don't know why anybody would spit in the garden, but, but he told me not to. And so I remember this uh, man bringing his family over, and that boy that he told, don't spit in the garden, my, my, my grandpa and his friend was watching out a window at the back window, and they seen that boy go over there and spit in his garden. And, the, and listen, that boy would have never spit in the garden if somebody told, told him not to spit in the garden. And it goes to show to prove that we have a nature in us, and our nature, our very nature is to be rebellious. Someone tells us not to do something, and guess what? We're going to go do it. Now, that man, uh, his daddy came out there and said, Son, didn't he tell you not to spit in the garden? I'm not sure there was any repercussions of it, but the boy did spit in the garden. And listen, somebody tells us to do something, our nature says, Go and do it. Show them. Kids, hey, stay away from this jar. Now, you're not supposed to go to this jar. A kid automatically says, I'm getting to that jar. That's why moms and dads, we've got to teach our children, Hey, we, we, there's repercussions for disobedience. What is our nature? Our nature is to disobey. This man was blind. His problem was he was, yes, physically blind, but he was also spiritually blind. And guess what? Though we may have our sight, we are spiritually blind. Blind. We're all born blind in that sense. We're all born with a nature to sin. And with the result of that, it comes to make our first choices and we do personally choose to sin. And so every one of us stands guilty before God Almighty. He said, don't you put any other gods before me. And guess what? We did. He said, don't commit adultery and, and in your heart. And guess what? We did. And, and all these things he tells us because the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the first step to spiritual sight is admitting that you are a sinner. The testimony of salvation. To admit that you are a sinner. The Pharisees and their pride, they wouldn't do anything. Matter of fact, look at verse 41 of this same chapter. Verse 41, John 9, 41. Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, we see. Therefore, your sin remaineth. So these proud Pharisees, they would admit that they were sinners in need of a Savior. They were proud of their spiritual insight. They were proud of their religious position. They didn't want to admit their blindness. They were sinners just like everyone else. And can I say, don't let pride be the problem like these men. Pride is the great sin that will send millions of people to hell. They will not admit that they're sinners. They will not admit that they have a need. They will not admit that they need spiritual sight. They, they will not admit that they are spiritually blind. Haven't there been things that God commanded in His Word that you were not to do, but just like that little boy that spit in that garden, you did the very thing that God said not to do. 
God put a, a, a tree in the middle of a garden and he said, abstain from that. What did Eve do? What did Adam do? They went straight to the tree. They were deceived, of course. Adam willfully fell. We understand that brought about our sin nature. We're all blind. We can identify in our blindness with this man. But number three, we can, we're like him in his washing. Because look at verses 6 and 7 of, of John 9, verse 6 and 7. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. So Jesus did something. And, and of course you'll see throughout the gospels. Jesus healed three blind men. And, and you'll see they were different. But Jesus of course he could have, he could have spake. And those, those men's eyes been restored. But Jesus in this text. He chose to take some spit on the ground. And, and to take some clay and mold it together. And wipe it on the eyes of this blind man. And then tells him to go and wash in this pool. Can I say that real washing is something God does for you? How were this man's eyes opened? It wasn't by anything he did. It wasn't something that he did and maybe something that was a self-help or maybe he went to someone in the doctor field. No, he met a man named Jesus and Jesus said, Hey, if you'll go to this pool and wash, you'll get your eyesight back. It is always the way with salvation. If you think about it, it's always that way with salvation. We've seen that several times this past weeks in the Gospel of John. We've seen where people have been either seen Jesus for who He is and believed. And then that's the same way it is for us. Once you admit your sin, the next step is not to try to be good so you can cover up your sin. The next thing you need to do is to trust what Jesus did on the cross to pay for your sins. Matter of fact, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it tells us that He bore our sins in His body on the cross. So when Jesus died on the cross, He cried, It is finished. That means it was done. In the Bible language, it was a business word that meant it is paid in full. So Jesus paid for our sins in full. The blood of Christ cleanses us from our sins. So washing clean, it, it cleanses you totally from your sin. There's not a little sin left and there's not a little sin for you to take care of. All of the blood of Christ washes you totally of your sin. The blind man's washing in the pool of Siloam is symbolic of how the blood of Jesus actually washes us. Matter of fact, the, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, when Paul was addressing that church, and he was talking to those people there in, in that church at Corinth, and he says, he's, he lists a number of sins. I'm talking about just wicked sins. But then he says, such were some of you, but now you're washed. What are you washed in? Water? No, that's why we don't believe that baptism waters save you. No, it was washed by the blood. That's why I love songs about the blood. That's why I love messages about the blood. Listen, don't tell me that's a gory preaching or gory religion. It is the blood of Christ that saves. And by the way, it is the blood of Christ that Satan hates. It's the blood of Christ that has power. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. 
this last snow we got last winter, about, we, we at our house, the more north you got, the more inches you got. But at our house in Woodruff, we got five inches of snow. We hadn't seen that kind of snow in, probably since we had moved here. Boy, our kids got in it. We got the sleds out. We actually had sleds. And we, uh, we sled down some hills and just had a good old time. But before we did any of that, we were watching them big flakes fall. There's nothing like watching snow, especially uh, by fire. And there's really nothing you can do. Roads were messy. And we were just watching it fall out in the front yard. We got windows all around our house. And we're watching it on the back porch. And, and just beautiful. And my wife had made some popcorn. I'm not sure. We were just maybe watching a movie. She made pop some popcorn. The kids like it. And she had made some popcorn, and we were eating it inside the house. And I saw some birds over by the trees. And so I went out with a handful of popcorn, and I threw the popcorn out on that snow. And, boy, them birds started coming uh, in a little bit, and they started nibbling on that popcorn. But as my wife, when we went back in the house, I said, Honey, did you butter the popcorn? And the reason I asked her, of course, she said, no, I don't butter popcorn for birds. You know, you do for us. But I asked her, I said, uh, did you butter the popcorn? She said, no. And the reason is because it looks so dingy. And, and listen, this popcorn, if you look at it in the bag, it's white. I mean, it's, you would think, man, that's white popcorn. But compared to the snow that it was on, it looked dirty. And every time I look at Isaiah chapter 1, I think, man, it shall be as white as snow. That old black heart, that old wicked, wicked heart that we've got, all that sin and how wicked that sin is. And in your mind, you're thinking to yourself, boy, preacher, you have no idea what sin that I've done in my life. You have no idea my past, but I know this, the blood of Christ covers it all. And it's as white as snow. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter what Paul said. He said, some of you, hey, all of you have been washed. And we've been washed by the blood, a pure, perfect, sinless Son of God, a pure and perfect blood that flowed through Calvary's mountain. Hey, that blood is what saves us. And I think about this, and God says that this is how we can be before Him. Listen, when He looks at us, He doesn't see our sin and our failure. He sees the blood. He doesn't see your skin color. He sees the blood. He doesn't see our faults and failures. He sees the blood. And I'm thankful this morning that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. We just sung the verse, My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Your sins will be as white as snow today and can be white as snow today if you'll put your faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And then that washing happens by faith. Look at verse 35 of John 9. It says this, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Talking about this blind man. These Pharisees, after this interrogation process, they threw him out of the synagogue. They said, on with you, get out of here. And when, they, and when he had found him, Jesus finds this man that had been thrown out. He said unto him, Now this man can see now. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? In verse 36, he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, 
and it is he that talketh with thee. Jesus said, pal, you're looking at him right now. I am the Son of God. I'm the one that gave you sight. I'm the one that took them scales off your eyes. I'm the one that can make that heart white as snow. I'm the one that's going to die for you just a few chapters later. I am the Son of God. And here's what he said in verse 38. He said, Lord, I believe. (laughs) He said, Lord, I believe. And notice, and he worshipped him, hey, face to face. He looked at him and worshipped. And we can identify in this man's washing. But here's the last thing this morning. We are like him not only in his washing, but we are like him in his story. Now pay attention real quick. We're like him in his story. When them people were interrogating him, those Pharisees were interrogating this blind man. They said, hey, matter of fact, there was some doubt there. They said, well, this could be him, but it also could be one that's like him or looks like him. Then they called his mom and dad, not on the phone, of course, but they called his mom and dad, and they, mom and dad came, and these Jews maybe sat them down in front and said, is this your man, hey, is this your son who was once blind? And of course, they confirmed that this is the blind man. They get mad, and they throw him out of the temple, and Jesus finds him. But before all of that, look at verse 25. Here's what he answered. Verse 24, we'll start there. Here's what he said to these Pharisees. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. Now that's interesting. They did not mind this man giving God the praise because later they said that Jesus was a sinner. They said, yeah, go ahead and give God the praise. They had no problem with God. They had a problem with Jesus, who is God. But they said, yeah, give God the glory, give God the praise, that's fine. But look at verse 25. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. He said, I'll tell you this, that man you're criticizing, that man you're lying about, that man you're falsely accusing, I don't know who he is, but I know one thing. I was blind before I met him. And I can see after I met him. You know what he said? I've got a story. We can identify with this man in his story. His story is a testimony. His testimony was so strong that even though he had no seminary, he had no theological training, no theological education or college or degree, he had no discipleship training, he had not been in a small group or a Sunday school class, even in a one-hour testimony shop. You know what he did? He testified. And he testified about what Jesus had done for him. And if you're a Christian today, you too have a story. A story of how Jesus can be your Lord and Savior. And I want to reemphasize, your story doesn't have to look like somebody else's. As long as you've got a story. I was preaching in a church in, uh, I can't remember, Arkansas, a few years ago. Large church, good church. And there was a table uh, down in front of the podium, down in front of the stage, good-sized church, having a revival several nights. And they had this leather-bound book, real thick book, down on the table. 
And I thought, I seen people before the service going down and writing. I seen uh, somebody take the book back to like the third row and, and an elderly person was writing something in it. And here's what I thought. I thought, whether well, having some type of pastor appreciation or uh, maybe a pastor's wife appreciation. They're writing little notes of encouragement, putting it in a book. And then I thought, well, maybe, because I'm sitting up here and I'm just seeing people and they're, they're smiling and they're writing it and they're enjoying what they're doing. And so then I... I uh, after the service, I seen a line of people that was uh, writing stuff in it, and I thought, man, it's, it's beyond that. I thought maybe somebody had a wedding, and they were trying to uh, uh, maybe, you know, they were just wanting to write some congratulations to them. And so uh, the pastor took me out for coffee the next morning before I left, and he said, uh, how would you think the services went? I said, man, they were great. We had a good time. And I said, let me ask you a question about the book. He said, I'm curious because I like taking ideas for my church and this kind of deal. And he said, yeah, he said, that book is interesting. He said, a few weeks ago I preached on the Philippian jailer. And he said, I was talking about his testimony and all those things. And he said, I just challenged our church to share their story. And he said, so somebody got the idea of putting it in a book, everybody's testimonies in a book, and presenting it to me so I could read it. I thought, man, that's a great idea. He said this, though, I'm worried about those that refuse to write a story about what happened. He said, now, I've not watched who's come up here. He said, I don't know. It's been up there for several weeks now, and I'm in, getting a joy. I cannot wait till we're done with it. He said, but you know what? There's some people that just, they won't share what God did for them. If I was the blind man, you couldn't shut me up. I could not see nothing. And I had a counter with a man who, who, who revealed things and he opened my eyes. He told me to go wash down in the pool of Siloam and I, I washed my eyes and I could see for the very first time. And I've got to tell people, hey, did you hear one day I was blind and I met this man named Jesus and he healed me. Hey, hey did you hear? I'm sure people looked at him and said, yeah, you told me last week. Man, will you shut up? Hey, no, no, i got to tell somebody. Hey, it's a story. The same way that you and I should be fanatical about what Jesus did for you. Jesus took that sin, took that sin debt that we had to pay he took it for us, and His blood washed our sins away. And that day that you found that out, that day that you put your faith in the Lord Jesus, that very day that you said, Lord, I want to become uh, yours in the, in the family of God, and I want you to become mine, that day is the day that you should be telling everybody. That day. This morning, I, I was preaching this message as I do every week. I, I'll, I'll, I'll preach it twice, and... This morning we had a great service, great crowd. Boy, it was wonderful. And during the invitation time, Brother Jacob, you can come. During the invitation time, where's Jesse at? Jesse in here? Uh, man, I didn't slip my mind. Alex. His name's Alex. Angel. Angel's been coming to our church since Easter, him and his wife. Angel, is it Angel Rodriguez? Is that right? Uh, Man, that's terrible. He just got saved. Angel had been coming to our church since Easter. Let me tell you something. Those of you who say, oh, he should know. You talk to as many people as I talk to throughout the week on Sunday and then come and see me and try to remember everybody's name. Angel sat over here with his wife. Angel is faithful. Listen, 
Him and his wife just moved here from New Jersey a year ago, one year ago, last fall. Their first Sunday here was Easter Sunday. Some, actually, the tomb. It was uh, the tomb display. Angel, him and his wife drove by and said, we need to go visit that church. And they, they just kept coming every Sunday. Angel, this morning during the invitation, when I asked people, as I'm going to ask you just a minute ago, bow your head, close your eyes. Angel raised his hand and he said, preacher, I don't have a story. Now, here's what's funny about that angel, by the way, asked Jesus Christ to save his soul. Been coming to church for, well, since Easter, six months. Angel came to me three weeks ago, three, two, week, two or three weeks ago. He came to me and said, Pastor, I need a Bible. This man's retired. He was a retired sheriff there in New Jersey. Very, very distinguished, very sharp. He's a preacher. When you're preaching... I'm just, I can't follow along, and I need a Bible. I said, Angel, I'm going to order you a Bible. So I went on one of the um, websites a couple weeks ago, ordered Angel's a Bible, and I knew I was going to see him Sunday, today. And uh, so I said, man, I need to check on the the tracking uh, where it's at. And so I checked on it yesterday, and it said it'll be here Tuesday. So I was like, uh, before the service, I said, Angel, your Bible will be here Tuesday. I was excited because, hey, I'm, I can't wait to give him his own Bible. But even if Angel would have gotten his Bible last week, Angel did not know Christ. And so he would have read, and I'm sure, listen, it, he might have understood some, but he would not have understood all. Now, when he gets his Bible, the Spirit of God indwells Angel, and he has a story. And when he reads it, he's going to be reading it in a different light. And we can rejoice together because a, a, we have a new brother in Christ. But let me say this. Angel had been attending this church after the service. I asked him, I said, Angel, you've been attending this church. I mean, lo and behold, Easter Sunday is your first Sunday. And if I ever give the gospel uh, in a clear presentation, it's going to be on Easter. He said, yeah. I said, then tell me. what, what He said, preacher, the more I came and the more you exposed John and preached through more I found out that I didn't have the Jesus that you're preaching. Jesus had not become what he was to you in my heart. And he said, I've had enough today because if I had to look at somebody and share a story, I couldn't have shared it. We had several last week that said, I need Jesus. I wonder how many today that if you were put on the spot and said, hey, tell me the day you got saved. Tell me you couldn't share it because it's not there. Listen, I'm not up here. Get a story. Get a testimony. Understand what salvation is. Understand who Jesus is. Understand that the sin that you're trying to conquer on your own has been conquered at the cross. It's white as snow. And I praise His holy name. You can know for sure today. Let's close our